I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, former college professor turned manager in a large corporation turned entrepreneur. And not just any entrepreneur. I've made it my life's work to make organizational life more effective and fulfilling. So welcome to Working Conversations, the podcast where we digest and translate research and ideas on workplace dynamics and serve up to you the most interesting and actionable strategies to make your workplace conversations and your relationships more effective, productive, and influential. If you're looking for proven tools for your workplace toolbox, you're in the right place. Now, let's get after it. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Working Conversations podcast, where we talk all things leadership, business communication, and trends in organizational life. I'm your host, Dr. Janelle Anderson. Have you heard about quiet hiring? Like quiet quitting, which doesn't involve quitting one's job, but rather scaling back and putting in less effort, quiet hiring is also a bit of a misnomer. It doesn't necessarily involve hiring. Quiet hiring is a term used to describe a practice of shuffling staff around to meet immediate business needs, typically without adding headcount. Often, that means stretch assignments or additional training for existing staff, which could be a big win for an employee who's gunning towards a promotion. Or it could be a big loss for an employee who already feels burned out and stretched too thin. Today on the podcast, we dive into quiet hiring and explain it all. Who knows? Perhaps you've been quiet hired and didn't even realize it. So the basic premise is that an organization acquires new skills without hiring new full-time employees. Now, this can be done in a number of different ways, such as asking an existing employee to take on new responsibilities or projects, cross-training employees to learn new skills. Now, it may involve hiring contractors or freelancers from the gig economy to fill specific needs for a short time, again, not permanently adding headcount, or in less common cases, partnering with another organization and sharing resources. The workplace phenomenon deemed quiet hiring has come increasingly into popularity in recent years, as employers are looking for ways to save money and be more flexible in their workplace planning. With tight labor market and uncertain economy these past couple of years, you can see why this is advantageous to organizations. Companies have been wary about adding headcount because they're not sure that it's sustainable. It can be more cost-effective than hiring new full-time employees, of course, to do quiet hiring, and it allows employers to fill skills gaps quickly without having to go through the potentially time-consuming recruiting process. Now, the idea is to prioritize the most crucial business functions at any given time, which could mean temporarily mixing up the roles of current employees, again, doing some cross-training or sending somebody to a training class to get the skills they need immediately instead of hiring somebody. Now, quiet hiring, of course, has lots of advantages for employers, but it can also be good for employees. It's a great way to develop and retain existing employees, giving them those stretch assignments and allowing them to grow into new roles and skills, especially when there isn't an opening for a promotion for somebody. Now, the research and consulting firm Gartner espouses quiet hiring as a win-win because companies and employees can each get something good out of it. They know that for employees, quote, it provides employees with opportunities to work stretch assignments, grow their current skills, learn new skills, 
extend their careers, and ultimately become invaluable to their current organization and more marketable to others, end quote. They go on to say that in order to really do it well, organizations need to provide incentives like additional compensation or bonuses or extra paid time off or other perks in exchange for the additional effort, because otherwise you're just going to wear down employees and exhaust them. According to a January 2023 Monster.com poll, 80% of workers acknowledge having been quietly hired. Half of employees say that the roles that they were asked to take on did not align with their current skill set. So again, this leads us to think that they were stretching and growing, hopefully to their benefit. 63% of workers view quiet hiring as an opportunity to try out a new role and to gain some new skills. 27% of workers said they would consider quitting if they were quiet hired. Presumably that would be if they were quiet hired and not compensated for it. 10% of workers are open to taking on a new role, but only if it's temporary. And 15% of workers said they would consider leaving, but they choose not to do so because they feel like their hands are tied. Either economically they need to stay in that job or they don't think there's good prospects out there. Now, another piece of research, this one done in March 2023 by Gartner, found that 82% of HR leaders plan to increase their use of contractors and freelancers throughout the coming year. Presumably, again, because they don't want to take that risk of permanently adding headcount. Now, on the other hand, in June of 2023, LinkedIn did a survey. This time, they did a survey of employees. And 70% of those employees said they were interested in learning new skills at work, which they might not necessarily have recognized as quiet hiring, but that's essentially what it is when you're learning new skills at work to fill a specific and immediate gap in your organization. Now, overall, quiet hiring, I think, is a win-win for both employers and employees when executed well. It allows employers to fill those skills gaps and create a more flexible workforce, and it gives employees those opportunities to learn and grow in their roles without having to go through the effort of leaving the organization and getting a different job elsewhere, because that does take a lot of effort if it's been a while. Google uses quiet hiring to identify internal staff that are already going above and beyond in their job descriptions. And once employees prove themselves, they're more likely to get raises and promotions and be tagged for those new opportunities. When employers can't necessarily find the talent in-house, they experiment with alternatives like sending people to training classes or hiring contract workers or gig workers. Ultimately, quiet hiring saves the company time, money, and resources. But, and you had to know this was coming, there are some drawbacks to the practice of quiet hiring as well. It can lead to employee burnout if employees are asked to take on too much work without additional support or compensation. Employees may also feel like they are being asked to do the work of two people. And furthermore, it can damage employee morale if employees feel they're not being valued or appreciated or being compensated for that extra effort they're putting in. There's also some inherent tension around quiet hiring. If you're temporarily assigned to a different part of your company, you might interpret that as being told that your regularly job isn't particularly important. After all, what if no one is getting hired to backfill your old responsibilities? That can be particularly demoralizing, and it can tarnish the experience of being moved into the new role, 
whether that role is temporary or permanent for you. Now, from an employer's perspective, if your company announces a need for employees to pivot roles and you're interested, you could use it as an opportunity to discuss your long-term goals. You might even wrangle a promotion for yourself out of it, either now or at some point in the future. So this is a really good chance to sit down and be clear with your manager and your HR team about your expectations and your workload. You might say something like this, yes, I'm willing to do this. Let's talk about what this means for my career and my compensation. Now, if your boss suggests a new set of tasks for you, they will have more luck motivating you if they can express how much it's going to help you move your career forward. Whether you're interested in climbing the corporate ladder or improving your life balance or something else. And from a management perspective, an effective quiet hiring process rests in how it's framed to the employee. If you're asking an employee to make a move, you should be able to articulate what does this mean for them? Managers can help address this by clearly discussing what taking on this specific project or moving to a different business division is and why it's so crucial to the company's success. It'll help the employee feel more valued and it will be less likely for them to see this move as a sign that they need to start looking for a job elsewhere. This episode is made possible by Instacart. If you haven't already started using Instacart, now is the time, my friend. Now, I'm the first one to say that I actually enjoy a trip to the grocery store. I really do. But you know what I like doing even better? Making this podcast. When I was deep in the development of this podcast, outlining and recording the first few episodes, my kids reminded me that they needed to eat. Instacart to the rescue. In absolutely record time, Magnolia, my Instacart shopper that day, delivered chicken nuggets, milk, avocados, fresh berries, and a host of other groceries we needed. When life gets busy, or when you just want to feel like royalty and have someone do it for you, there's Instacart. Get $10 off your first order when you sign up at workingconversations.com forward slash Instacart. Now, back to the show. Now, savvy organizations are really starting to look inward more and more to find the skills that they need. Don't worry, it's not about squeezing every ounce of effort out of employees. It's about making sure the limited talent pool inside the organization is used where it can to make the biggest impact. Plus, it's a way to reduce potential costs and risks that come with hiring from the outside. But here's the deal. Companies who are doing this are strategically sizing up the talent that they've got and making some tough calls. They figure out where talent is most crucial and where they can afford to take a bit of a hit or trim the headcount a bit. It's not about piling more work on employees. It's about making calculated moves and shuffling the talent around to meet the current business needs. Now, sometimes there won't be a magical stash of talent that can magically fit those super tough roles. But here's the twist. Employers can get creative and reshape roles to make it easier for employees to slide into new spots. For example, let's say a company is facing a six-month quest to find data scientists. Instead of twiddling their thumbs, they could redeploy their trusty data analysts from marketing and human resources into the IT and digital workplace teams. Hold up, though. They're not necessarily expecting those marketing and HR whizzes to suddenly become statistical programming wizards like the data scientists. Nope. 
They're focusing the data scientist talent that they have on the tricky programming stuff and letting the redeployed marketing and HR champs handle the vital task of communicating the analysis results to decision makers or doing other related tasks where they can squarely use their skill set in support of what the data scientists are doing. It's all about playing to everyone's strengths. Now, alternatively, companies with few movable employees can hire some short-term contractors to help keep things afloat throughout the year. Again, not having to take on the risk of adding additional headcount and all that's involved with hiring full-time employees. Have I mentioned that this isn't necessarily a new practice? In fact, I was quietly hired in my role in a startup tech company decades ago. Now, if you followed my work for a while, this story might sound familiar. I was a trainer for a company that did a telecommunications product for hospitals, and I would go out into the field and train the hospital staff on how to use the new system. All of our systems were custom designed, including the hospital name being custom designed right into the product and lots of custom features throughout. Invariably, things would go wrong in the user interface and things wouldn't always match up. Sometimes they were grammatical errors and typos, and other times it was the field size on the screen and the field size in the database didn't match. And so if the field size on the screen was longer than the field size in the database, it would look like the user's cursor would get stuck partway through a field. So these were maddening errors for our users, and they were very challenging errors for me to try to train around because they were actually mistakes in our user interface. And one day I came back from a training trip to the one of our hospitals. is in fact a very highly prestigious hospital that uh, you might know the name of, but I'm going to keep it to myself. Anyway, I was so embarrassed because the hospital name was misspelled, and I was the only one out in the field, and I could not, I did not have the technical skills to reprogram the on-screen name of their hospital. I came back ready to quit. I was so fed up. And the chief engineer at the time, Scott, looked at one of his business partners and said, I don't know, Janelle's pretty smart. I think we should let her into the code. And so they showed me how to program the user interface layer of, of the product. They also taught me how to query the database. I did not change the database, but I could query the database to find out the field properties. So if I found out that the field property was an alphanumeric field with 25 characters, then I could make the screen match by having a alphanumeric 25 character field. So it didn't ever look like the cursor got stuck on the screen. Now, this led to my career development tremendously. In fact, it got me interested in something that is known as user interface design. Now, I didn't know it at the time. It's, and my story is definitely an example of quiet hiring because at the very end of my rope, frustrated with my overworked colleagues, because my over my colleagues were overworked. That's why they couldn't get to all the user interface errors that I was finding. Um, and of course, I was embarrassed in front of our customers, but I took on new responsibilities and learned new skills. So rather than hiring another employee to fill that role, which quite frankly, I mean, we were a scrappy startup. We didn't have the money to do that. There was no additional money to hire somebody to do that brand new job that didn't even exist. But instead, having me learn the skill allowed the company to save money on recruitment and training costs, and it kept the product looking much better, and it also helped me develop my career. What I essentially was doing was improving the design of the user interface. At the time I was doing that, decades ago, the field of usability and user experience design 
for software products was in its infancy. My work there helped inform what I studied in graduate school, and it helped me later land a wonderful role as a director of user experience at a major corporation. I would definitely call that a win-win. And I was pulled up from the ranks to fill that need, or really instructed to fill that need because I was the one who saw that need. So definitely a win-win. So quiet hiring can be a good thing for both employers and employees. However, it's important for employers to be transparent with their employees about their expectations and to provide them with the support that they're going to need to succeed in that new role. Now, quiet hiring may not be a brand new practice, but it is definitely on the rise due to a number of factors that companies face in today's world with their need to be agile in a working world where there is so much ambiguity. The driving forces are the talent shortage that we've often mentioned, as well as the need to keep costs down amidst economic uncertainties. And when quiet hiring is done correctly, it absolutely can be a benefit for employers and employees alike. To capture the benefits of quiet hiring without risking burnout and turnover, which would be quiet hiring backfiring, quite frankly, organizations should expect to offer the incentives that I've previously discussed, like more pay or bonuses, extra paid time off, or whatever might be seen as a just reward to the employee who's taking on the extra work or changing up their workload. And of course, it has to be something that is feasible for the company to provide. After hearing more about quiet hiring, you might be recognizing it now as something that's happened to you in the past, or maybe it's something that's happening to you in your career right now. If that's the case, I'd love to hear from you. Drop me a direct message on Instagram or LinkedIn and share what's going on. Who knows? Your story might be featured on an upcoming episode of the podcast. Remember, the future of work is not only about technology. It's about the values that we uphold, the communities we build, and the sustainable growth that we strive for. We need to keep exploring, keep innovating, and keep envisioning the remarkable possibilities that lie ahead. As always, my friends, stay curious, stay informed, and stay ahead of the curve. Tune in next Monday for another insightful exploration of the trends shaping our professional world. Until then, be well, my friends. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing on the podcast, head on over to Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts and give us five stars and a quick review. It really makes a difference and it keeps us bringing you valuable content that you can put into play in your life. I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, and this is Working Conversations.